Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to the live lounge. First of all, you'll see them on my own. Everyone's late on parade today. I'd like to start without them. Some explaining to do, isn't there? Um, don't worry, reinforcements are on the way, so I'm just holding the fort temporarily. Um, don't worry, we'll get there in the end, everyone. So until then, you've got to put up with me, um, but welcome along, everyone. Uh, chat room is nice and busy as always. How are we all doing? Hope we enjoyed the UK Open. Um, plenty going on in the darting world. Ah, one reinforcement has arrived. Dan is here. Good evening. Um, Dan's computer decided to do an update just as we were about to start, so I knew he was going to be late. And Gob, don't worry, he'll be getting some shortly. Um, before we even get started on Mr. Boyce. Well, I, I think he, there's, in reality, he might, he's got his excuses lined up, hasn't he? And I think he might be thinking maybe, oh, a bit rough, long weekend, travelled a lot, a bit too much sauce. But I think we all know the real reason why Lee Boyce can't face the world today. And it isn't related to darts. Because his football team's shite. Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, how are we all doing? Evening, Carl. Hope you are well. Uh, Owen is in. Uh, uh, Joe is in. How are we all doing? Of course, Paddy is in uh how are we doing johnny uh bob chat room's rammed already and as always the one and only mr mason is in how are we doing um yeah look it's just been a mental mental few days of oh, oh here he is nice of you to join hey, good evening hello <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm 28 years old. Gob's power nap went wrong. 
I didn't like it. It looked brilliant, but I didn't like it. Just it wasn't reds. That's it. Yeah, that's the only. And now on the telly, it doesn't make you know, like me stood in my kitchen cooking a bolognese, watching it out the you know, the, like I, 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 it's fine. Um, and certainly streaming the other day and trying to when you've got lots going on, trying to keeping track of the amount of video streaming they had was was superb. Um, really, really good. But yeah, I, I, I would be gutted if I'd be going there as a as a punter and then finding out. Oh, we're not going in reds to watch that, so I'd be, I'd be gutted. Um, yeah, look, um, we've got some clips from Matt. Did a really good piece with Matt Porter. Reds is coming back for... Well, no, I'm no, very Matt happy to hear that as we confirmed our trip to this morning for next year. So I'm very pleased to, to hear that. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, you told me to watch that piece earlier and quite clearly I've been asleep. Is it as well as or is it instead of 36? The way it came across, instead of, I think, thirty six will become the media and practice room. Okay. I think I don't don't quote me on that, but we were based in Reds this time around as as media, and the main stage practice board or practice room was was in Reds. So I think we'll decamp there, and Reds will reopen to. Well, the, the closest I got as a as a as a viewer, the closest I got to seeing anything going on in Reds was Matt Porter's interview, I think, which which looked very much familiar, like a Reds background, I think, Phil. Yeah, um, but yeah, look, we'll, we'll come on to the to the Matt bit in a minute. But it all kicked off Friday afternoon, and it didn't disappoint. We called it last week. Luke Littler on the main stage opened up. How excited is this boy? He is just a ridiculous talent. And look, look, Thomas Banks had a fantastic run as well. Of the two, we, we said this from the start. We said it when it happened. We said that Luke had that little bit more experience. So actually, if you were going to showcase one of the two on TV that could handle it without without getting to him too much, you'd probably send Luke Littler up onto that main stage um, opening match. And look, he was fantastic. First leg, little bit edgy. Um, Nick scored fantastically the first nine darts, uh, which will put you on the back foot. Luke pinches the leg and he never, ever looked back. He, he absolutely did a job on a very, very experienced professional dart player. Completely. Um, and But for that one dodgy leg, the average would have been 99, 100 mark. That, that one leg's killed the average, but the performance was just sublime from him. Um. What's your standouts from the, the first round ties? Oh, just jumping in there, are we? Hmm. Um, disappointed with Thibaut, losing to James Richardson on the main stage. Uh, Van Veen, Robert Owen was a brutal round one draw for both players. They are both playing far too well for that to have, have been nice for either of them. Um what else do we have? Bit disappointed with the uh, Yitzhak van der Waal-Jarrod Cole game. Look, it went 11 legs. I think both players are, are far better than that. Yitz has struggled in in round two. Um, we know Jared's a far better player than that. I guess the other standout game for me in that round was Jim McEwen's performance over Danny Lauber. Yeah. Dylan Slevin got off to a great start. Like, really came out absolutely all guns blazing round one. 
um, looked really well. I mean, to be fair, I I think just after his first game, I messaged you both and said, I think I fancy Slevin for a for 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 a run. Um, we certainly the way he set off that day, he looked absolutely superb. I thought as well, just I suppose just thinking of you know new tour card holders. I thought Adam Warner came out looking looking really really impressive opening game, and I've got to give a, a, a little bit of props to him as well because he, he got a bit of a feature. ITV he had a bit of an interview with him, and I think he just came across really really well in his in his interview piece. Adam Warner, he just he, he's a good. Um, He's a good representative for, for darts. He speaks really well, comes across well. Um, so I think, yes, I mean, I know he... he um, well, who did he play? Montgomery, I think, didn't he? Ross Montgomery in the second round and didn't get through, didn't and got beat. But looked really strong in his opening, le- in his opening match um, and came across really well, I thought, when he, when he got on the television. Yeah, also, Daryl Pilgrim losing with 102 average um, as well was, was mental. Other. And unfortunately, we've seen it in the Super Series as well. Daryl seems to find a way to lose blooming good games when he's playing well. Daryl just likes to be, which obviously means this is where he finishes off because nobody at a tournament averaged that high for the rest of the weekend. He just likes being an absolute stats menace because what that means is Daryl Pilgrim finishes the weekend with the best average in Dark Connect once again. The man played one Pro Tour last season, <laughs> averaged 100 for two games, got beat second round and stayed at the top of the running average for the entire season. It's just a menace to stats compilers everywhere. Yeah, uh, absolute nuts. Uh, also out on the outer boards, um, Graham Usher played some brilliant yeah, b- brilliant stuff. Look, the, hit the game against um, John O'Shea was a fabulous game to watch going all the way. And I want to come on to the point here before we move on to the other games. How good was it that we could watch all the outside boards I saw some people moaning on social media, oh, it's not great coverage. Look, we could see the whole board. Oh, it's player throwing. Like, it's like, please, for the first time we've ever had every board streamed at the UK Open, it was a fantastic start. It was so, it, I thought it was amazing. So I, had, I was laughing on, on here on Saturday. For, um, so the youngest member of the team, young Billy, donated the telly from his bedroom for the day because I had that set up on it. And I, but what was amazing was I just I had all the boards just set up on the TV, little windows, and it was just unbelievable because I could just every there was always something to watch. Every time something went on a break, there was something going on. Um, just amazing coverage. Like yeah, you know, you could you could moan that. Well, it's not a moan. There were there are people out in you know Twitterverse saying that each board wasn't all you know television quality, but that's not what it is. That's not what. Like we're used to not seeing any of that, and it all just going on behind the scenes, and we get little bits of news and darts connect. But the fact that we could tune in and look at, you know, we were streaming on here and looking at which way people had gone for things, what had they missed, how had they gone around it? It was just, I thought it was amazing, game changer, absolutely yeah. superb. Look, and also someone uh, Simon said in the comments there, and Matt said it in the interview that we did with him as well. Look, the first thirty minutes, there were a few teething problems. Uh, with aspect ratios and score straps. However, after 30 minutes, they got it bang on. Yeah, and let's be honest, but realistically... Six games affected, wasn't that? Yeah. But but in reality, that is, like, if if they'd been doing that for two years, you know, and they'd been streaming every game, and then all of a sudden they set off the tournament, it's not quite set up right, you'd stop, you know, but yeah, have a little grumble, roll your eyes, and then we're there. Like, 
that's something we've never had before. Like as darts fans, we've never been able to to get that insight. That's completely new access to us. So you know, if it takes half an hour for people to go and tinker with stuff and set it up right, and because you're only going to find out all the live problems when you run it live and when it happens. So I just think it was right huge step forward um, and really encouraged by the the interview with Matt where he talked about, you know, again, not full coverage because it, it would be not practical to ever get that. I don't think anyone would watch it, but more coverage on the on the Players' Championship events as well. Um, it's just really intriguing, isn't it? The more the more darts there is available for people to watch, the better. Yeah, um, as well. Enough, and we've used Dark Connect enough to know that no matter how well you pre-plan, the minute a game goes live, it's like, nah, fuck you, we're going to do this instead. It, it's got a complete mind yeah. of its own. It doesn't matter how well you pre-plan stuff. Sometimes the scoreboards and everything can only be done once you've gone live. They tried to pre-set and fit up, which, which would have saved time and effort, etc. It's difficult to put all six boards live all at once and it didn't come off but as we said they got everything right after that it, it looked decent i'm glad that they stretched the image because if it had stayed square as it looked like it was going to that would have been difficult to watch but look they ironed out those tv problems first year for for four pounds for the weekend if you paid for that or if you've already got a subscription as an extra to what you were previously getting on that service i don't think you can complain too much no <laughs> It was just... Well, people were happy paying that amount without getting that, weren't they? So, yeah. you know, when, when I decided I had that some the amount I'd pay annually or whatever, they didn't offer that service. So it's a it's a booty bonus, isn't it? Yeah, I, look, I, absolutely. Um, in, into round two, um, the start of Richie Burnett's unbelievable Ooh. weekend, which we will talk on more. Uh, he beat James Richardson six two, and look, barring obviously Andrew Gilden spoiler up going and winning it. This weekend would have been all about Richie Burnett. Yeah, it's, uh, there was a point in the day. So, well, to be honest, up to a point on Sunday, he was the biggest story of the tournament. Well, you know, that was the biggest story of the tournament so far. Um, and, and if, yeah, if we'd have had a different winner or, or a different set of semi-finals, perhaps, then you know, it still would be the biggest story. I just think it was um, again. Lots and lots of stories this weekend. Lots of different things. I mean, obviously, we'll get to the big one, but loads of little things happen all over the place in younger players and the older players and the returning players and things we, ex- you know, not getting what we expect from some of the big names and then seeing, as I say, an unbelievable um, set of results from uh, from Richie Burnett. Um, yeah, it was just, just, just absolutely um, sublime. We saw players headbutting boards. As well on the outer stream, uh, welcome to the DRA Fight Club. Um, beforehand, you'd have got away with that, but the whole world. Welcome, Aaron. Already. Welcome back. Welcome back, Aaron. That's your first fine number in March. I don't write that bit on Dark Connect normally, do they? <laughs> Game shot and headbutt the board. I mean, better the board than someone else, isn't it? You know, it wasn't a fan, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, look, I suppose as well, going into to round three. Um, Josh Rock losing early was a surprise, but Luke Woodhouse put in an unbelievable performance, 103 average to, to beat Josh Rock. Um, Devin Peterson is in a whole world of trouble right now, boys. Whole, oh, no, yes. He's averaged 90 and played okay. William O'Connor's averaged 99, but he is in a world of trouble. Yeah, it's, 
it's just another dead end for him, isn't it? Just another another um, money lost, a further slide down the rankings, and just not being able to pick up a for well a win or, or playing into form of any kind. Really, unfortunately for for Devon. I think he's going to be in that position as well, where people are aware of his struggles. The same with Glenn Dorant. You look at other players that have seen significant drop-offs in form, who then go chasing that regaining form. So every single little loss is is almost magnified that little bit more. Adrian Lewis is probably one of the, the standout people on tour to take a look at as well. It's one of those, every time it looks like he's going to put in a decent little run, something else goes wrong, or, or a solid performance comes back at you. You're not just going to get handed a run to a pro tour final where all of a sudden you are the same dark player you were four or five years ago and, and long may that continue and where you make so many I've, I've done it myself where you make so many minute changes to your action to your throw and, and so many different things have crept into your game over so long even having something that you just go back to as a setting point where you always have your elbow where you always bring your dart back to where you always grip the dart etc all of those things can just go out the window in the middle of a match. You don't want to be overthinking about your action too much. It's a bit like golf and having too many swing thoughts, right? Put your ass out, high elbow, or, or any of, of those sort of things on your club. You don't want too many of those because then it distracts you from being in the game and, and that's what you're actually concentrating on. But without enough of those to reset, you can lose your action and, and lose your way very quickly. And especially in the middle of a game, I find that because it is all about getting the win and getting the result, it you could be 2-0 down. It doesn't really matter how you're throwing a dart at that point if you start winning. It's if it goes badly. And that's just a strange mentality to try and overcome. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, also, Carl said there, uh, Jim Williams game against Jean Van Veen in round three, both averaging over 101. That was a superb game. And look, Jean, he's going to be a lot of fun on tour. The, the, the boy's got ability. Yeah, I, I thought Jim Williams looked, he looked really good. I was 6'3", wasn't he? But he looked really strong at that point. And again, Jim was someone that, and I know he 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 only just went out. You know, he did, he played really well. Um, but going into that game, I thought it was a bit of a 50-50 that, with it, you know, in the format it was on, the way that they've both played of late. But yeah, I thought Jim would have, would have might have gone a bit deeper after that. He, he played really well and did very well to get out of it 6'3", as well. Uh, yeah, look, um, a few other surprises um, in and around um, round three. George Killington beat Madders Razma in a noble. Um, good start for, for George. Martin Lukeman beat Dan Reed. Good result for Smash in that one. Um, Conor Heenahan beaten by Thomas Banks. We'll come on to Thomas Banks shortly. Um Ricky Evans beat Graham Usher in a last leg decider again. Another fabulous game um, out on the, the outer boards. And look, this is what makes the UK Open. Yeah, and look, there are, there are different things to have a look at. There are not return to form, but the form at Yellow Classen through these first four rounds was quite eye-catching, considering that he was up on the main stage, uh, playing against Josh Payne, and he's got Scott Williams, some, some incredibly tough fixtures in there for him. Um but at this point, I think the run of Luke Littler became even more impressive because he was the very, very first game up on the main stage. All right? It wasn't the very first game in the first round, but he played then. He then basically plays first round fixture on 
stage two for round two, or very, very close to that. So he doesn't have a massive amount of turnaround time to go and take on Rusty Jake Rodriguez. And then he has to wait until the very, very last game on his board, which then gets moved to a different board against an experienced professional like Rich Yedows, who's been on the tour for the last couple of years, has had some solid results, been at World Championships, etc., and goes and gets a last leg decider victory over him. Um, survives match starts, I think, at one point, was was 5-4 down, wins two legs on the spin. That performance then from somebody so young became even more impressive, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, this is where Mr. Mason fell off the Christmas card list as the live draw for round four <laughs> came out. And look, there's the same every year, but oh my God, boys, there was some absolute brutal games in this round four. Uh, Gary Anderson, James Wade, Michael Van Gogh and Dave Chisnell, uh, Van Dijvenbode, Ritaisky, the list goes on, uh, Vandenberg, Clemens, and that, but that is that is the beauty. That is the you know we a lot of the times that you know, we talk about different tournaments and and that we the the reason that we like having so many different tournaments is is because they are lots of them unique in their you know they they all have something that makes them unique whether that be the format whether it be the venue whether it be you know how the people qualify for it the absolute chaos of that draw. Like it's it's one of the most I as a darts fan that draw of certainly of that round that draw third going into the fourth round is one of the most exciting five minutes in the annual darts calendar for me. It's because because you can have absolutely anything. You sort of know certainly doing what we do, you can already start to see stories developing and potential things going on and who might meet who. And it's just it, it's such fun. And such a unique thing because there aren't loads of sports that really can accommodate that type of open format. You know, if you think of the sports that have an open format, you know, golf, tennis, um, to a degree, you've got some or snooker, you know, but there's not loads of sports where you can have that and just pull everything out, surprise everybody, then get cracked on with it. I think it's marvellous. It really is good. Uh, evening, Shawnee Mac. Um, Dan Dawson would have been doing cartwheels. Yes. Um, it, Dan works for Sky. He still works for ITV as well, Johnny, but he was in Colorado or was it Columbus? He was somewhere in the States doing the chase tag. What he did? Sat next to Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point discussing yeah. on the um, chase tag commentary. Yeah, brilliant. Playing Tig with the Terminator. What a weekend. <laughs> um, on the main stage, I called it, right? There's been false hopes in the Gary Anderson comeback over the last four years. However, right now, I am genuinely bloody excited because we're now in April. The action looks Rolls-Royce again. He cares. And there are signs that he is ready to go berserk. There is, but but I, I throw him in that category of Adrian Lewis earlier, and a, and a few others. It's not quite as significant a decline. This has been a can't be asked to do anything really. It's not caused yeah. by an injury or or it's just been a lack of motivation. The, the peak of the game has always been there. It's does he want to produce it? He is still going to run into ridiculous performances. You look back to the Masters just a few weeks ago. That's going to be on the cards, and the longer that this renewed 
confidence and form and enjoyment of darts goes on for Gary, the better, because there are going to be little knockbacks. There are going to be times when it doesn't quite go to plan and where the Gary of old, when he was back playing this well last time, would have just moved through fields and was in conversation for the best player in the world. The sport has grown since then. People have spent the last couple of years looking at Gary going, actually, there's a winnable tie there because he's not quite as infused by the sport. And that fear factor around Gary will have disappeared a little bit. Not not, not from everybody. There are still some that go, actually, it's Gary Anderson. That, that man is in conversation for one of the best art players that ever lived. But he is still not quite 2017 Gary Anderson that was really much in contention with Michael Van Gerwen for the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, but again, another uh, it's an early depart for James Wade. James played all right here. He's averaged 96, but there is a slow decline in James Wade's ranking here as well, which is getting a little concerning for James Wade fans. Well, he was defending a win here, wasn't he? And yeah. Drawing Gary Anderson first round will not have helped him. He's actually dropped to world number 14. Um, dropped five places from world number nine, which is where he started pre-tournament. But, yeah, not not ideal for him. And that, and that 20 to 14 set as well is is not is relatively compact at, yeah. at the moment. At this time of year, um, because there's, because there's, we know what's ahead, um, it's not going to take a lot for either someone to catch him or for Wade to just drop out, depending on what he's defending. Um, you know, it, a, a, a fall from 14 to 20 wouldn't be particularly surprising if he didn't have a run somewhere. Great start there from Carl, as always, boys. Yeah, look, this is why your world ranking and being in the position that Gary is is completely relevant because... Gary Anderson is playing darts than better than Michael Van Gerwen right now, according to his average. Look, average doesn't tell you everything about sport, but over a longer period of time, it is quite a good measure. Over one or two games, look, you, you can argue about its significance. He is playing at a better average for this season than Michael Van Gerwen right now. Michael Van Gerwen has won two Premier League nights. Gary Anderson has failed to get through two European Tour qualifiers. Like This is just the brutal realism of of being in each situation. Gary Anderson could well have been in the Premier League and, and winning multiple nights, playing better than Van Gerwen is right now and, and could have had a better run at the Masters if he doesn't run into a form which he does and, and could have had a better run here if, if it falls that way. But that's just not quite opening up for him. So the longer he goes without tangible results and, and deeper into tournaments, because he does keep running into these off performances or, or whatever the more difficult it will be for Gary to stay motivated, I think. Because, look, there's, there's something that's definitely lit the fire in his belly right now. Oh, completely. And, and that's good to see. But it needs to stay there. Look, Wayne Marta wound him up at the World Championships the other day, the other, year, the other, day, the other year, allegedly. Look, he didn't take too kindly to, to what Wayne was saying. And look, we've got the interview and we still get comments on that now. That was three years ago, by the way. I don't know how it keeps popping up on people's Facebooks, but we still get notifications going, oh yeah, well said, Gary, you tell Wayne. It was three years ago, people. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that fire yeah. disappeared from Gary very, very quickly, didn't it? Like That, that didn't materialise in 2020. He got wound up at the World Championships, played well, was like, I'm going to stick around just to annoy people forever. But it didn't motivate him to get off his ass and practice the next week. 
whereas something seems to be doing that right now because he's with Ryan Searle four days a week. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Um, just looking around, this round was just littered with quality just everywhere um, we, we looked in this tight. Johnny Clayton against Ross Smith in, in round four. A last leg decider from the ferret. Um, it's just... You just look at his ties popping out all over the place. Humphrey's header. Like, that was a mad game. And a mint game. Proper good. There was some real, real quality in this round. Real quality. I'd have to go back and have a look, but it feels like the matchups were just closer. Like, look, there are plenty of tough ties in there, and that might be a reflection on the standard of the darts. Of the 32 games, nine didn't get to 10-7 or closer. It, it just feels like everything else was matched up pretty nicely and everywhere you looked. We got the standout in, in prize versus Banks as a big story. We got the big boys against... We got a couple of the big boys against each other, Gary Wade, but everything else just seemed to be matched quite neatly all the way down so that even if you did get a world number 50 against a world number 55, they seem to be playing each other and they seem to go at each other and take it deep, etc. Stephen Bunting wiring the nine dart against Peter Wright and end up losing. Also, a very frosty affair over on stage two between Raymond Van Barnevald and Rob Cross at the end. We don't know what happened, but it was um, it looked a tad chilly. Yeah, it was unusual that one. Um, didn't you know? Because I was sort of half trying to keep an eye on a bunch of different things, and it just there was there was a bit of needle towards the end. I think wasn't there? Yeah, it was. It was interesting. Um, then, moving on, Saturday morning, um, again, some just brutal ties. The first one, the world champion, Michael Smith, against Luke Humphreys gets pulled out. And you're just like, wow, one of them are going home before Saturday evening. Um, Luke Humphreys came through the last day of the cider. And look, Michael Smith, not fully fit. We know that. But still putting in tremendous performances, not at his best. Oh yeah, that I mean that did that was on the wire that 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 match. Um, you know, it, it went the full distance, and at, at any point, I mean, to be honest, there was three, four, five times in the last three, four legs, it, you could have picked a different winner. You know, it it, it was always going to just come down to one or two darts right at the very end of that one. Um, want to talk about the game on the main stage? The Iceman, Jaron Price. Against Jeffrey Deswan. What a game. Look, Price has averaged 101 and a half and lost. Jeffrey Deswan looking something like the Black Cobra that we saw three or four years ago. But that six leg blitz, the six he won in a row against Gerwin Price, averaging 118, was just remarkable. Just hit a level, didn't he? Yeah, we had it live on the stream and it was just... Um, Jar and I made very different predictions as to what would happen in that game and, and I was thankfully absolutely bang on because I just thought... I just the, the break seemed to come at the right time and I just wasn't sure whether if this one... If he just got a couple... And I also think that I still maintain that Gerwin Price is an amazing dart player. Of course, like, of course he is an amazing dart player. But he, and he is an absolutely fantastic front runner. Um, if he gets on top in a match, builds up with some momentum, like he is bordering on unstoppable at all times. 
But I, I still think there's even, and a lot of it gets blamed on the crowd and people talk about the crowd getting on top of him a lot. But I just think there's a bit of fragility when he's behind, certainly in leg play, when we're just, you know, on a, just on a run to a number, when he gets three, four legs behind, um, it's rare he'll be able to catch it. You know, for a player of his standard that you would expect to be able to find that A game, um, and, that, and that's exactly what happened, but unbelievable from the Swan. Certainly that run of legs was just absolutely magnificent. Main stage stuff. What caught your eye, Gob, in this round? The next round, because that's what I watched again, because I was on stage refereeing County all day. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like, oh, yeah, what a run from this one, six legs in a row. I was like, fucking hell, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, look, there was some some really good. I mean, I you one, the other one in there that's the standout, and I won't dwell on it because we've already talked about him. But that te- absolute destruction of Kim Hybrids from Gary Anderson was was on another level. Like I know we've already talked about Gary, so I won't go on. But like that ten two um was just like because that's that's the point at which it looked like all right Gary's here is he like that that's when it really really lifted and I thought here we are he's gonna he's gonna do something here complete destruction there you go God Carl's put it on the screen for us yeah average I had a 45 (laughs) dart hold the next evening when I went for a practice (laughs) and everyone do as Shawnee Mac says make sure you hit the like button for us uh, folks, right, moving in to round six. There's only one place to start. We spoke about him earlier, but I don't care. We're going to speak about him again. Richie Burnett rolls back the years to beat Peter Wright in round six of the UK Open. So uh, in terms of this being a story, because it is, it's a massive story, but this is the point. So like, we're all into darts. Like, we have a little WhatsApp group. We all chat to each other. And we have, you know, people around us who are into darts. It's at this point when I started getting WhatsApp messages off people who aren't into darts. You know, because they're like, that, they're, you know, people have a casual interest. that watch it a bit when it's on the, in, the, in the pub. And they, but, you know, that's when people started to, like, text me and say, like, what's going on? Like, Peter Wright, he's just been Pete. Who's this guy? And that's when, like, a story outside of our little, like, really ingrained in darts bubble started to build up a head of steam. And and Richie Burnett became the big story. But just, again, amazing, like, main stage. I can't imagine how much fun it must have been to be in that arena, uh, like, for that game. Because what what good fun. I mean, two characters, the walk-ons, of just those two coming out and the amount of energy that was getting bounced around on that screen, um, just absolutely top, top draw. And yeah, James has said it there. It was childhood memories coming in flooding back. And literally the main the main arena where they were chanting Richie, Richie and, and stuff like this. They just had him on his feet and he had his little dance and his little celebration and that smile you just couldn't take it off of his face. Um, and look, we've seen this level from him at the Live League and, and Super Series when he came in. We've seen him do nine darters. We've seen him average huge, huge numbers. But to do it in front of the world again was just remarkable because we don't see it often enough, God. We see players that have won world titles in the past 
and look, he's had misdemeanors in his career. He says that, but to come back and do it on the biggest stages of them all now, it's just remarkable. Yeah, just very, very good game. Um, I, th- I thought Burnett was done for. I, know, I, agree. I thought he had to keep Peter Wright yeah. arms left. I don't think Wright played badly in the first set, but then started changing his darts, and I wasn't convinced that changing that was the right way to go. That he'd absolutely lost his head that weekend. Um, yeah, not ideal. But when they got level again, I was concerned for Richie Burnett. I thought that's it. That's the pipe dream over. Race to six was fine, but once you get back level, the, the gate, the guys at the top of the top of the sport. Um, they come out on top at this point. You don't get these little fairy tale runs towards the back end. They have to stay ahead. And to respond the way that he did to keep edging out legs was was absolutely superb. And look, the man won a world title nine days before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> He's still playing ridiculous level darts. Well, I love, um, I love the, the stat, and I know we're jumping ahead slightly, that when, when he played Dimmy... They, they, I think it, it might have been Webby that had said on the on the TV that the stat that when Dim, uh, when Richie won his world title, Dimmy was six months old. I thought that was pretty cool on the main stage, isn't it? Yeah, but go, going back to right, it was like it was either at the Masters or one of the World Series events. We were told that he'd thrown the rest in the bin. He'd made his mind up. He wasn't going to switch anymore. I'm guessing the bin men didn't collect. Um, yeah, they didn't come and pick us all, all his all his. He went and fished them out. Um, in either that or Leah Red Dragon's been very very busy for the last few weeks. But right, we saw change last week in the Premier League to this week, and then going into the UK Open in the Burnett game specifically, we had four changes between three sets. I'm just waiting for them to bring out the, you know, the, the we, I've got one of them nice little target darts cases to take me darts. I'm waiting for the, the Peter Wright darts Atashi briefcase that comes. <laughs> the <laughs> <laughs> like the inside of Del Boy's court, just there's just rows and rows of darts in there. <laughs> but look, beforehand, look, we, look, Peter Wright is one of the greats of the sport, what he's won. But beforehand, he always had that safety blanket, I felt, of he could go back to the elements, whether it was the natural one or, or the gold. He could always go back to, and they would work. But right now, has he chopped and changed that much that there is no safety blanket anymore? I don't know, because I still feel like a straight barrel is the way to go for him. I still think, as, as a... As a base point to start for Peter Wright, <clears throat> that is what he's won the majority of his big titles in the last couple of years. Whether there's a slightly different grip on that is, is completely different. And at that point, maybe it is just the throw. Maybe it is just the action. Maybe he has overthought it so much. Or maybe he is just running into performances from a sport and a field of players that just continues to get better. Possibly. But there are concerns now. I think there are concerns for everybody, mate. Van Gerwen just lost another final. Gerwen Price is beaten despite looking better than he has in the last couple of months than he has for the last two and a bit years. Nobody in this sport is safe right now. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has absolutely everything figured out. And that's a brilliant time to be here. Marcus Smith's injured. We don't know how 
significant that's going to play out. We've got players that were left out of the Premier League that feel like they should have been in that are trying to prove a point. Players that are in there that perhaps are out of their depth a little bit right now. Players um, that are absolutely knackered already and it's only March. Yeah, uh, Bill, he did use them against Burnett. He bought them out for a couple of legs, but that, well, that was one of the switches. Um, so, moving on. Quarter-final time of the UK Open. Uh, Andrew Gilding did a demolition job on Martin Schindler, 10-4. Uh, Michael Van Gogh beat Nathan Aspinall, 10-6. But barring two unbelievable finishes back-to-back, this game was a lot closer than that scoreline suggests, I think. Yeah, 10-6 is 10-6 sounds generous having watched the game. Um, it felt like a game that could have gone either way. And and MVG didn't look uh comfortable, as in, you know, confident of victory for large parts of the game, didn't he? He looked like he was having to 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 fight for it. Yeah. Uh then this was a shock. Adam Gaulas beat Rob Cross 10-8. Gaulas, an absolute maximum machine in this game, doing a number on on Cross. And, and at this point, Gaulas is into the semi-final. Yeah, and I think he'd gone under the radar until this point. Um, you know, he'd, yes, he'd, yes, he'd won, but he hadn't won spectacularly against anyone that would have where it would have made big news. You know, there was, um, I think he came, did he beat Willie O'Connor in the round before that, which, you know, Willie O'Connor had played really well. Yeah. Um, you know, it relative, but it's not, it's not headline stuff, is it? You know, for, for Gavilas to come through that game. Um, but this is the point where he, he, he stopped going under the, under the radar, if you like. And, and all of a sudden started having to be talked about on the TV and, and everywhere else, because he, he, he's, you know, He's beaten a he's beaten a world champion. And he's in a semi final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, Dimitri Vandenberg, ten two winner over Richie Burnett. The run come to an end, and that's kind of what we thought might have happened. Like Carl said there against Peter Wright, but look, the first session damage was done, um, and Dimitri had all the answers. Uh, semi final time, Andrew Gilding, eleven six winner. Over Adam Gaulas, that Gaulas was just more pleased that he saved his tour card pretty much at this point. Um, that his huge bulk of the work is done. Uh, then Michael Van Gogh beat Dimitri Vandenberg 11 6, setting up the final Andrew Gilding against Michael Van Gogh. The final we all predicted, if we're truthful, Bill, isn't it? Really, yeah, yeah, we all saw this one coming. <laughs> um, look, there, there was key moments in this game and I, and I go back to the bit where I think it swung was Michael missed six darts to go nine six up mm. uh, and I think at that point that was the turning point I think at nine six it's done yeah for me this was all about Van Gerwen building a significant lead and at no point did he manage to do that did he manage to put Andrew Gilding so far away from victory that it was inevitable that Michael Van Gogh was going to lift this title. It almost feels a bit like last year as well, where the the perception, there was a very, very strong favourite for that final. We all know who probably should have won that final. 
after a very, very long weekend. And the longer that it stayed closed, especially with the pace of Andrew Gildin and the way that he plays and how methodical he is, etc., it, it just made it difficult for Van Gerwen to keep going at him and, and to reel off those legs that he needed. Look, he has been gettable recently. The one downside to Van Gerwen's game right now has been his finishing. If he's if he's losing games, it's because he's been down in the 20 to 30 percent on the checkouts. And it felt like that that was the way to go back into this game. And I, I was we were in multiple WhatsApps all at once watching it. I thought I was like, you all know exactly how this is going to happen now. Van Gerwen is going to miss match starts because that's just the way this match has gone. And Gildy will take it out and two legs later, bang. And, and that, but give him forty percent on his doubles in that final. Like that's yeah. you know for a final in that environment when you've never been there before against Michael Van Gerwen, popping forty percent of your doubles is is an impressive feat of composure, in my opinion. You know, and it's as much composure as it is darting talent to to hit forty percent in a final in those circumstances. Yeah, and what a perfect time. And as if by magic, we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Mark Webster. How are we, how we doing, boys? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. I've been playing five a side, but otherwise, can't complain. Can't complain. Oh, can we talk about football then, Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a dark show today. It's, it's a hard broadcast, mate. I'll be, He's I'll... actually done a runner and left you to shoulder it. I'll click off. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <never mention> <laughs> um. Levy, fresh off the UK Open, first of all, your, your your thoughts of the tournament as a whole? Yeah, I think it was good. I mean, it, it look, it's it generally runs like that, doesn't it? You um, <coughs> we we have surprise finalists. It's not out the norm. We have surprise winners. I mean, I was that is a real surprise last night. But you know, the, the youngsters playing big ties. Um, I, you know, one of my favourite things is watching the draw take place and the crowd get involved. I think it's a it's a fantastic event and um. You cannot predict who wins. You, you, you expect the usual suspects, but there's no, you know, we've all done it. We look at, you know, we'll all chat and say, well, that section of the draw looks good, that section, but there's no sections, is there? So, again, look, it's one of, it's, I think it's many people's favourites just for the sort of lottery element of it. But I, I thought it was a good event. And um, yeah, I thought it was a good, um, great for Andrew Gildin. You know what I mean? He, his massive chance and he took it. Fair play to him. Yeah, look, a new role for you as well this weekend. Look, we've seen you do all the punditry work and everything like that, but doing the, um, Roman reporting as well on, on the final day. First of all, did, did you enjoy it? And I'm guessing there was a few nerves. Yeah, my heart was going like a good one when I saw the runners-up interview with Michael. But um, <laughs> you know what? I've said it so many times. The guy's a class act in defeat. And um, look, he was he was visit, he was obviously upset. And um, he, he was brilliant. So, yeah, it was something different. It was nerve-wracking. I'll, I'll, I'll find it slightly easier next time. But, you know, the players are good. Um, uh they answer the questions, you know, and um, they try their best. I had a good one with Nathan. I thought he was really good. Dimitri as well. Um, even even Adam Gablas, whose English isn't brilliant, you know, was, was trying his best. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the role. And, um, you know, if I can if I can help out in that capacity again, I will do. Just on that, look, we all know that Andrew Gilding hasn't done a lot of media because he obviously hasn't won titles like, like the rest of them. Was that like a, an awkward? Because there's not a lot coming back. Because I, I don't mind saying it. I interviewed him afterwards, and it's a graft because you, you're always fighting, just trying to get something out of him. Yeah, he, look, he's out of his comfort zone, isn't he? I mean, some of us can just chat and chat, and some of us can't. I mean, I wouldn't say Andrew Gildon's the only person who sort of 
um, stutters a little bit in the in the in the limelight. And um, do you know, because he's won that now, he may get into it a little bit more, and he might open up a little bit more. So um, it's nervy. It's not for everyone, is it? And some people don't know what to say. And um, the more he does it, you feel he'll open up a little bit more. But he's not the only player. Some have just got it, some haven't. But the more they do it, the better. But it's it's just part of it. We needed to get his reaction. And um, look, he got the point across that he was happy and um, that he was um, pleased with what he'd done. So yeah, that was enough for me. 110 grand and a major winner. Where do we where do we place this win in the UK? Because we've had not surprise winners the last few years, but Danny Knopper as a victor as well. We see James Wade lifting the title the year before. Is it... Is the shock of the UK Open diminishing the, the tournament, I guess, a little bit? Because with you to the Premier League, the last three winners haven't been in off the back of their success. Uh, I don't uh, don't think diminishing because you can't, you can't, the UK Open, and with, I've, I've listened to some, some of Matt Porter's interviews and I quite like it. They've never said a major winner guarantees you in these events. Yeah. They've never, you know, we just assumed, didn't we? We assumed because they've done it for so often, but it was never a criteria. And, um, no, it's for Andrew Gilden. Andrew Gilden hasn't gone home and thinking I'm in the Premier League now. And I think most of us know, unless he goes on and wins and wins and wins, he won't be in the Premier League. But it doesn't matter. It's a massive win. And um, yeah, I, I I don't see it being devalued, the UK Open. I think it's massive. It doesn't have the impact the Masters has because it's not played in January. But again, it's not set in stone that the winner of the Masters goes in the Premier League. It just so happens that the face is fitted every year. So... Um, you know, I, th- I think just the UK Open still got a massive role in the, in the year, and um, yeah, I love the event. I think it's really good. The the venue, obviously, we didn't have Reds this year. What did you? What was your thoughts on Studio Thirty Six? Did you like it? Uh, no, I'd like Reds back. I'm being honest, if it, brutally honest. But I mean, I think the venue, the board too, is if you were going to create an atmosphere in there, you should have stuck the other boards in there with it as well. Um, the three to eight could have gone in there with it. It's a big venue. It's a great venue, but it just wasn't for board two. If it, it, it could have done the main board in a sense, but I, I was glad to see, obviously you did an interview with Matt, didn't you Phil? Yeah. Board two will be, but I like the Reds bar. I think it gets that little bit of atmosphere and um, look, it was temporary and I, I'm kind of glad it was temporary. Yeah. Look, the year's hotting up now as well. We've got majors, we've got pro tours, Euro tours, Premier League. It's, it's all hotting up now, isn't it? It's just kind of caught light the season. Yeah, it does. And, you know, you kind of, this is where players will start. You've, you've done four Euro Tours, well, you've qualified, you've completed the field for four Euro Tours and they start eyeing up Blackpool now, don't they? That's the one. That's the one they're eyeing up. Um, they're not, you know, you're getting these Euro Tours. Yeah, it's great getting the European Championships, but the players' main priority is getting Blackpool at the minute. And, um, yeah, I, I love seeing the scramble. I love seeing that, um, obviously, the, the, the places changing spots. You know, I, I think it's great Steve Beaton's back in the mix again when we're, when, you know, we're, we're thinking he's coming in the seniors 18 months ago and now he's going back up the PDC ranking. So, I, you know, I, I like it. And like you said, it comes thick and fast. No time to settle. Premier League into ranking, into Euro Tour. And um, look, it's, it's it's only good for the players and the, and the brand, really. A couple of people we spoke about earlier on in the year. Gary Anderson, we obviously spoke about him early on. There's a real fire and passion about him right now that we haven't seen for a while. I think he's playing OK. Yeah, he is. Um I like the fact he gets the ump of it when he loses because always that he doesn't care, but he does care a little bit. He should have beat Dimitri the other night, um, and uh, he'll know that he did well against Wade, um, especially because he got out in front, got pegged back, got in front, and got pegged back again. 
and sometimes he can sort of that could be frustrating. But no, I, I thought his, I felt his game's in a good place. He entered one of the Euro tours, didn't get through, lost to Andrew Gilded. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like he's going to play a bit more. So yeah, fair play. You mentioned how busy the tours. <laughs> is at the minute you're across pretty much all of it you're one of the people that are across both tv broadcasts you do a lot of pdc tv we've seen you more your tour does that mean we're less likely to see a return to the hockey for mark webster because the glimpses we have seen you keep posting the 170 checkout it's like a bad version of matt edgar and uh banged in that 180 in the NFL challenge we saw as well, much to Stephen Bunting's delight. You saw his face in the background. Stephen Bunting's face was an absolute picture when that went in. It was quite it needs to be yeah. a meme that does. Yeah. I mean he was he wasn't I mean he didn't need to be too disheartened because he won earlier on, he won later on that night and won 50 grand. So cheer up, Stephen. That's what, what, I think that's what more, that was his motivation. That's what got him up for it. He couldn't take it twice in one day. Yeah. Do you know what the dark side? This is how serious I'm taking in a minute. I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying on my, on my bed while I'm doing this. My darts are down beside the bed on the floor. I'm, <laughs> but um, I'm actually. Uh, oh, do, do you know what? No, no, I won't be playing anytime soon. And I, I like playing. Look, I've got an exhibition with Johnny. I think coming up soon, which I, I wish I look forward to. And because um, I, I do really try and beat him, but it's there's no burg. I don't. I had a little bug three weeks ago when I threw four nights on the trot, but I haven't thrown since. I might go down to the Super Series um, once the Premier League's complete. It's just bloody miles away, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Correct. But uh, yeah, just just go through fads with it. It's, it's all like, if I see darts in a board, I've got to throw them if I walk past them. But in terms of competitiveness, no, it's I'm not the, the, the level that these guys are. So there's no point chasing a false dream. And um, unless I practice for a while and could try and get to some sort of level. I don't think there's any value in it. I've, I've carved out a good career for myself at the minute and um, I enjoy it. So, and I still stay involved and it's, I still see all my mates. So it's, it's no different, except I'm not getting the ump in bounds at quarter past 12 and I've been beat first round. <laughs> I stay till the end. Yeah, it's six o'clock when they're texting you going, Oi, weren't you back me to win it? <laughs> um, Shawnee Mac says, are you any good at five-a-side, Webby? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's seven aside acts. It's outdoors. I just call it five aside. But yeah, I, I, got, I play it every Monday, and I go Say circuit seven. Trips. seven aside sevens. Yeah, seven, I, circuit, yeah. I circuit train the hour before it, and then I play football for an hour. So Monday's my little kick when I shift the stodge of the weekend. So I, I enjoy it. To be fair, would you have asked to be subbed off at five nil yesterday, or would you have stayed on? <laughs> but then. Would you have asked to be subbed off at 5-0 yesterday, like Fernandez, or...? Hey, 3-0, three, three I'd have done the old... Uh, you know, you hold the hamstring. I've done it before. <laughs> <laughs> I, played, I played once. We were playing against... There's a local team called Hollywell. And as soon as they went 2-0 up, and I know that when we're at home, there's not many showers. And I thought, I'll just get in there for all the lads. Let's give it the old, get me off. I said I had a bad ankle. There was nothing wrong. I just wanted that shower on my own. We've got to play the game, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Classic Webster. Um, your old mucker, Richie Burnett, what a fairy tale that was as well at the weekend. We've spoken about it. And he's introduced himself to a whole new audience that didn't know how good Richie Burnett is and was. Yeah, do you know what? I was pleased for him, you know, because obviously he got his tour, tour card back last January and he didn't really do a lot, did he? And he got in the world and then 
he battled his way through, scrapping. But the win against Peter Wright was really good. And um, I'm delighted for him. You know, that £15,000 could be massive in keeping his tour card. And I think if he just... Well, I'm, well, it's fact, isn't it? If he gets in the worlds again, he'll keep it. And that's a great achievement in itself for someone who's uh, had a bunch of speed bumps on the way. And, um, yeah, look, I like the level of guys. Um, he's, he's just bonkers, isn't he? But I just like listening to him talk. And, uh, yeah, it was great to see. And, um, obviously, gilding aside, I think it was one of the, the story. Gilding was the story. But the other story was Richie. Yeah, oh, the pot noodle story as well was just genius. Yeah, it's... T- I mean, a genius is debatable, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, who bleeds a radiator to try and fill their pot noodle? But yeah, I think we all know that. It's just the clown in it, for fair play. I, got, I, I, played, I think I played four World Cups with him and he was just bonkers, everyone. So yeah, good, good to see. Last one before we let you go, Webby. The Premier League, the format, we're obviously five weeks in now. What, what, what's your thoughts? Is it the last year of this one, do you reckon? I don't know. Um, it's This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's one of them, isn't it? If you, if you said to me, would you want to change it? Like, oh, I'd possibly change it a little bit. But to what, really? I don't know. I, 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 I think it's okay. That is obviously there's always the risk of repeat fixtures. I know they shuffle about, but if the same players won, you can repeat. But for now, it's one of them, isn't it? If you're in the if you're in the venue, you're watching a tournament, so it's fine, isn't it? Yeah. But if you're following it, like obviously we do, it yeah. There's there's maybe a, a cause for change, but you know, the PDC generally. They they move things at the right wrong time and uh, the right time. Not that they change things at the right time. And um, I mean, for me, I'd like to see a few more players. If I'm being honest, I think there's a lot of players of quality that could compete in that, and it's testament to um, uh, how good they all are. So yeah, there's always PDC are always looking at it. I think they've said that themselves. But for me, I put, obviously, it's got obviously it's going to ride out this year. I think they may they may carry on next year. I don't know, but we'll see, won't it? Because obviously. More players put themselves in the window, and they're completely, um, you know, you cannot leave them out, then you have to adapt, don't you? Absolutely. Webby, thank you very much for playing football and joining us straight away, lad. Pleasure as always. And I'll see you on Thursday in Liverpool. Thursday. Enjoy. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers, Webby, lad. See you, mate. One, the only Mr. Mark Webster, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, he's adding himself back in again. Uh, Mark Webster, um, pleasure to have him on. Um, and before we kind of not move on, but we won't do him a disservice because we always put the image up. This is an image that I never ever thought that we would see, boys. Neither did he. 
Yeah, remark genuinely like so. What one of the things I looked at today, um, because yes, he's won a you know TV major big event, like huge achievement. But I, I, I've been a bit of a geek and I was like looking at like other little things. And one of the other things that he's done, and when you look at the list of players that he's joined that have done that. It's it's almost a more impressive list than the list of people that have won major events on telly. Is he has become one of a very select few people who have beaten Michael Van Gerwen in a television final. And when you look at what that list of people is made up of, there's some very very. It's, first of all, it's quite a short list, and there's some very special dark players in 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 there. And he's managed to add himself into that list as well of people that have. You know, and, and people can talk about the draw all day long and his route to the final. But in order to lift the trophy, he's had to, you know, he's had to replicate what it previously had taken the likes of Raymond Van Barneveld in his peak and Phil Taylor and Robert Thornton and Michael Smith and all the, and, you know, there's a very select few people that have beaten Michael Van Gerwen on television in a major final. Um, and he's added himself to that. And, you know, that... that Easy, you can talk about the draw all day long, but there are not many people that have done that. Yeah, right. We're going to play a little clip of his winner's interview as well. I had no idea everyone had written me off. <laughs> everyone was like, this is Michael's final to lose and everything like that. Yeah, I, I thought when he was playing Dimmy, uh, I thought they must be thinking happy days because they got me in the final and I, I never won anything. But I didn't think about that in the, when I was playing. It's um, I just I think there's a there's there's a humility about the, the you know the way he's approached it. It's quite beautiful. It's quite sort of um, it, it's it's very it, it's very cool, very cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to play some clips from interviews from the UK because there's a few talking points off of them. So first of all, we're going to go with the man at the moment, Mr. Richie Burnett, because this is just brilliant. No, you you want it more and more. It's like an addiction. It is. It is. I like I say it. It's winning. It's winning. Winning is an addiction. Uh, it's, it's not. It's not good when I'm putting the performance on and losing because that's doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, so today, you might be. The older generation know how good you were mm. in your prime. Are you now opening up a younger audience to this version of Richie Burnett and showing them how good Richie Burnett yeah, is? Yeah, like, like I said earlier, Phil, you know, um, I'm getting to the twilight of my career. I can come on, I can sit in there and have a laugh. Years ago, I'd be like a tiger because it was competitive. Right? I can still play, though. Uh, I'm, I'm not there to lose. I'm here to enjoy myself. and Archie Peril. Don't underestimate me. Can't even stand still when he's talking. No, he's, he is just... <laughs> oh, honestly, <laughs> trying to frame him up was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Booting the advertising wall behind <laughs> Yeah. Um, from there, we're going to go to Joe Cullen. First time that we've spoken to him this year. I mean, he's in a good place. And, um... I had a bit of a slow start to the season, the first couple of pro tours, but I think that was a lot down to obviously missing out in the Premier League, and I was 
I was a bit of a sulky, sulky fella. Um, but, but, after, but after that, I think I've played well. Even the games I'm losing, I seem to be playing okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with my games out at the minute, but um, there's always room for improvement. You touched on that. How much did the Premier League rejection hurt? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just kicking the balls on it. That's what I said. Um, it, it is what it is. I think um, I think a couple of selections, maybe... No, in fact, I'm not even going to go there. In fact, I'm not even going to go there because there'll be some sort of <laughs> title on your part, Phil, so I'm not even going to go there. I was good not to be in, but good luck to the air there. Joe Prodigy was always there. Thank you very much. Nice one. Cheers, Phil. Just caught himself there, didn't he? He almost <laughs> went, didn't he? he almost <laughs> went. Phil Bounce furiously sharpened his pencil. <laughs> he just put a dart on the wire, walk, think it's in and go, whoa! <laughs> he almost went. <laughs> so, with, so, from that, you know, there's a couple of selections he's not happy about. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that that little that little gear fight went no, Joe, no, yeah. Joe. And we know, we know, and we know which four it isn't. So not... <laughs> <laughs> he almost went. No, look, fair play to him. He um he kept his re- restraint in the end, and he was one that brought it up. I just went off of what he said. Um, but yeah, look, pleasure. Uh, now we've got an injury update from Bully Boy. First of all, how are you? Health concerns at the Euro Tour? I know you were going to say I'm going to battle on and everything like that, but first of all, just just how are you and how is the rest? No, it's, it's good. I still I've still got a bit of a pain. I'm just still taking tablets right now, but you've just seen that I didn't wince once or pull my face, laughing and smiling, and yeah, I've still got the pain there, but it doesn't affect me as much. The first round at the European last week that killed me. Even the second game against Dirk, it killed me. But no, I, I will never quit. And when you text me, yeah. you. you I said, so no, I'll never, I'll never give up, I'll never quit, and you see why. Basically, it still hurts, but he's going to carry on playing. Yeah, in short. Yeah, it's knacked, but I'm going to carry on. Yeah. Um, this is the clip from Peter Wright, which is interesting um, as well. No. No? Nowhere near, no. Uh, but, you know, I played all right there in that the last half of the match. Uh, if you looked at the averages in the last half of the match, it, it was pretty, pretty decent. Uh, but uh, the first half was rubbish. But, yeah. but if I can do what I've done there... You know, if the other thing is, I'm just not happy with any darts, to be honest, at the moment. So it's just, uh, you know, so it's just one of them things. Not happy with any dart. You sort of, you wonder what it's going to take, though, don't you? Like, what, at the, where he's at at the minute, what's he got to do with any set of darts in order for him to think, you know, oh, yeah, the, these are the ones. And then the moment that, he has a bad leg with him. You know, how I, it's hard to see any sort of real change in mindset on the horizon, isn't it, when he's like that? Yeah. Um, this is a good one from Adrian Lewis as well about being pampered, not being used to the outside boards. Um, it's very difficult on them travels. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, because obviously, when you play on Pro Tour, you've literally got like you, you, you're in a cubicle. But when, you, when you're in there, you've got the crowd, you've got everybody taking the door. So, so you try and focus on the travel, but you can see everybody going past. I'm like, oh no, I'm not, I've been pumping too much, I think. When you were a young boy coming through, being out there. No, it doesn't. It takes me back to when I won the world and they put me on ball five. <laughs> I was little jumping at the time, he put me on ball five, so yeah. But it's very difficult in there. 
It is chaos, though, isn't it? Like, you know, I think if you haven't been in there and experienced it, like, it's complete chaos. And yeah. I suppose that for someone, that the type of career that he's had, like, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't had to do a lot of that, has he? You know, he's been a, um, you know, a player that hasn't had to go through a, a, a huge amount of those environments for a long time, anyway. Yeah. I think that's where... I don't recall ever watching a UK pin in Bolton, but that is where an argument for a Bolton-style venue does become that little bit stronger, or perhaps even MK behind closed doors, is the boards weren't in a row. There was space staggered around behind them. You can build up a little crowd behind you, but there's nobody down the sides. There's nobody in your vision. There's, there's nothing. And I guess they do that view so that you can watch as many of those multi-boards all at once. It works in the space that they've got. But if they were to move it to thir Studio 36, perhaps, and have three down one side, three down the other side, or, or two, two and two across three sides of the room with enough barriers that you don't get down the side of each board, but enough where you could see a lot and turn around and whatever. I, I think that might just make that more board room that, that little bit better for the players. Not so much for the fans. It's difficult to watch all six at that point. If you are front row of board six at the multi-board room, you can see every single board all at once. You just have to look across. If you're a few rows back, perhaps not. Um, but that is possibly that one argument, actually, with players walking past and, and walking behind you and all that sort of stuff. The only thing then you've got to be wary of is a pocket of noise, which you can get used to. You know those sort of shouts are coming. You get them at opens and that sort of thing all the time. You don't particularly get a roar on the Pro Tour, but there might be the odd bit you have to realise anyway. Yeah, right now we've got two clips from the Matt Poor interview to play. We'll play them back to back and then we'll discuss. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. I think yeah, it, well, it's, it's different, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, people generally are resistant to change. I mean, look, I can confirm that, that you know this change is temporary. Yeah. It's because of the building work that's going on here at Butlins, where they've taken away, uh, they've had to demolish a building which was essentially the practice facility yeah. and the offices for the event. They needed to be rehoused somewhere else. There was an alternative for Board Two this year, but Board Two will be back in Reds for both November at the Players' Championship final and next March for the UK Open. So um, it's, a t it's a temporary thing. I appreciate it might not be to everybody's taste. It's only a couple of days. Yeah. Come on, guys, you can, you can, you'll be all right. Um, but the, yeah, yeah. But it's just a little, not look, Yeah, the, the low ceiling that you get in this room um, gives you that intimacy. Um, it, you don't get that in the new venue. Uh, look, it's, it's a one-off. It's a one-off. We'll be back in here for, for board two for both November and, and next March. Yes. Two seconds. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, look, we felt that Luke hadn't done enough on TV in the latter half of 2022. Um, you know, I think he, he would probably agree with that. He would have perhaps, you know, I'm sure, hoped to have done a bit more than, than he did. We're also we're also very conscious of making sure that uh, if we were to put somebody in the Premier League, that it's the, absolutely the right time for them. You know, I'm convinced Luke Humphries will be a Premier League player in the future whether it's next year, the year after, but in the not-too-distant future. He's got the talent, he's got the character, he's got the personality. We just made a call that this year wasn't quite right for him. Um, you know, So we have to make those decisions, and, and I spoke to Luke about it. He was disappointed, but he accepted it. And he says some clarification. Yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, big call, but he's made the call, and he's owned it and come out and said it, and yeah, fair play. I don't think they've ever not done that, to be fair to the PDC. Look, I don't want to become some sort of show that just sits here and appeases them and, and says that every decision they ever make is right. But at least they will front up to an awful lot of of that when we do get the opportunity to sit down with Matt or Barry or, or anyone else that, that does represent 
the PDC in that in that instance is that if they've made a decision, they generally have some sort of logic or justification behind it. We don't have to agree with it. And um, yeah. that does open up that if, if you're questioning what Luke has done in the back end of the year on TV, then perhaps you question how much of a hole the PDC dug themselves with previous Masters invites. Oh, massively. Because by saying that about Luke, you, you, you're pretty much not saying it, but saying it about perhaps Chris Dobie's chance as well and going, actually, but there's a lot of attention on Luke and there was a lot of talk about him being in there, but a player that did even less than Luke on TV in the last six months, apart from that, that Masters win, which is a big part of it, granted, was, was then given that spot instead. But it's one, it's, it, it, it can work two ways. And, and there's only going to be, you know, a very small number of people that, re, that really know. Is that, you know, it, if, if they really wanted Luke Humphreys in and he was the only contentious one, then they'd have made that decision before the Masters and it would have just been done. Whereas if they weren't, if, if they weren't convinced and if they were a bit 50-50, like they've obviously, you know, they, they've waited and waited and waited and then they've, they've, give, they've allowed a scenario to, to come to pass whereby, you know, anyone could have won the Masters that wasn't already in the Premier League conversation, which is what happened. And it's then offered them an out on Luke Humphreys. They could, they could have still stuck with Luke Humphreys. Luke Humphreys could still have got in the Premier League after Dobie won. And and let's be honest, it wouldn't have been massively contentious, but clearly there was something, you know, that, that it was already cuspy. They must already have been thinking 50-50 about keeping him in. Um, look, yeah, yeah he'd leave, but The challenge tour is a difficult one, isn't it? Like, yes, did he shut the complaints down? Yeah. And, but that that's now down to the players and the PDPA to force the issue. Would you agree, boys? That's what the PDPA yeah, are there for. Look, whenever we have brought those sort of complaints to the PDC in the past, that is generally their response, is, is to shut it down and, and to effectively, at that point, tell us everything is perfect. They won't acknowledge discrepancies or, or badness. It will just be down to personal opinions and this is the way we do things, etc., but then in the back end of things, they might go away and work on stuff. We're still awaiting news on the World Cup of Darts that we were promised big changes for since last year. They did the survey, etc. We, we were to, we were constantly told that no, this is the way, etc. If we suddenly get an announcement of a change in format for the World Cup in the next couple of weeks, they've, they've got away and work on it, and that's just that's just one example of of the way that they, they will do things. Yeah, there's a difference between a people... We don't like the World Cup or we don't like the way we do things, but actually, if there is a chance to improve things, they'll work on it and then they'll announce it as late as possible go, oh, we're doing this because of this. Yeah, there's a difference between appeasement and sort of taking it on and going away and thinking it through properly and coming up with a strategy, isn't it? You know, it, it's, it's not just a case of listening to everybody's moans and going, ah, fine, okay, then there you go. You know, because you start to create a... a, a situation for themselves there that they probably wouldn't want to be in um but yeah if you can take it on board keep it in the back of your mind while you're looking at the continuous improvement of of what your offering is um and and it's one element of what that continuous improvement is alongside how 
commercially viable things are and everything else and the logistics of things operate. And then, you know, that that's how you run an organisation properly, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, like Matt will sit there and defend their Premier League format right now, as he has done. He did it last year. They justified it being reused this year. And as, as part of the interview, he got involved on social media with somebody saying, you need to change that format. And he went, that's your opinion. If we all have the same one, then the world will be a very boring place. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that the Premier League format will change next year as it stands right now. It is yeah, I'm with you. They're missing out on players. And I, I, I do not doubt in one sense that the PDC have already looked at it after five weeks and gone, let's come up with something different for next year. Let's start having that session or, or put a session in where we come up with something new for the Premier League next year where we can get more players in, where venues are happy, where broadcasters are happy. If we return to something, I have absolutely no doubt that that will happen. But as it stands, the PDC are not going to sit here and go, no, nah, actually, you're right, lads. This is bollocks. Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? Like, yeah, we'll try again. What do you think? You tell us what to do. Send your suggestions on a postcard. We'll put them all in out and pull one out and do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, right. Premier League talk. First of all, we are going to go... Back to last week in Exeter, boys. As Michael Van Gogh. It's a dump. You're a dump. It is shite. It's freezing cold. It's a tin shed in the middle of nowhere. I'm apparently going there next year. And I'm not, like... I was a little bit excited about it, but... I mean, I'm northern. Someone said I might have to take a coat with me, but... <laughs> I very much doubt it. We'll have a beer coat, Dan. We'll have a beer coat, mate. Absolutely. Um, uh, first up, uh, MVG beat Gerwin Price. Um, look, it was fairly comfortable. Uh, Nathan Aspinall beat Michael Smith. Good game between the pair. Yeah, six three is a bit generous, isn't it? I think it's um, it, it it was a better game than that, and it was a bit tighter than that. Nathan played very well. Uh, and then, what a game between Dimitri Vandenberg and, and Chris Dobie. We've got a clip to play from Dobes because um, he spoke to us uh, afterwards. But again, welcome to the Premier League, Chris Dobie. Yeah, it's tough to play so well and not you know and get well beat. You know, six three. As soon we said, it was generous there. It's very generous here, I think. But yeah, difficult. Average nearly hundred and five, and and. Not really come within a shot of, uh, of or come close to victory, um, but right, that is that is the Premier League and that's the standard, isn't it? Yeah, um, and Mace says it there. A lot of people, why do they go to Minehead? It's the only place close enough to Minehead to get staff, players, production, everything to the UK Open. Um, and then Peter Wright losing six five to Johnny Clayton. At this point, boys, Snakebite is pointless. We'll come on to him in before we talk about Liverpool this week. Uh, <laughs> semi-finals, uh, MVG beats Nathan Aspinall. We're talking about Liverpool this week. <laughs> uh, and then Johnny Clayton beats Vandenberg. Set up the final. MVG gets the better of Johnny Clayton in the final. And... I couldn't even be bothered to crop that horrific photo. <laughs> it's just the old 
in front of the ball. And it's just like, oh. But MBG, first player to win two nights and back-to-back as well. Um, all eyes are on Liverpool as we head to the Echo Arena this week. Always good. It's not the oh, Echo anymore. It's It'll always be the Echo. Same way Bolton will always be the JJB, but it's actually the tough sheet. <laughs> the what? Bolton has been renamed the Tough Sheet Arena. It's, the Re- it's not the J, it's the Reebok, mate. That's right, it's the Reebok. Yeah, it's the Reebok. Oh, Wigan was JJB, yeah, same thing. Yeah. They've got, got a lot of it's they've got a Premier in that looks onto the pitch. I sometimes use for work when I'm working in Bolton. It's um it's no, dreadful. Don't but... lie to us, Dan. You've never stayed at a Premier Inn in your life. <laughs> I have when someone else is paying, and don't forget, often when I travel, it's on taxpayers' money as well, so I have to be careful where that money goes. <laughs> no Hilton's on that one. I can't collect any honours points, can I, on taxpayers' <laughs> money? Absolutely really not. Um, but we are off to Liverpool this week, and here are the fixtures. Chat room, get involved. Doesn't get any easier for Peter Wright. Going Price up first for him. Michael Van Gogh and Johnny Clayton in a repeat of last week's final. Uh, Chris Dobie against Nathan Aspinall. Michael Smith against Dimitri Vandenberg. Um, are we getting worried for Peter Wright in this year's Premier League yet, boys? Because he may be pointless at halfway. Yeah, this isn't the fixture you'd want, is it? And uh, I, at the end of it, at last week, I, I just sort of flicked ahead, you know, look at next week's fixtures. And if you were Peter Wright, this isn't the fixture that you'd want, I would have thought. Not the way that Price has been playing in the Premier League. Um, you know, I appreciate he's only won the one night, but his his standard has been very good. Um, he'll probably get some stick in Liverpool as well, I, I would expect. Um, so you never quite know what that will produce in terms of him being up for it. But yeah, not the, not the opening game you would want if you were Peter Wright, I, I'd wager. Where are we going? Price or Wright? That, by the way, he's winless through five weeks now. After four weeks, we're going, oh, it's still early days. That represents a quarter of the tournament, right? Lost last week. This is now night six. His next four fixtures, it's not just about tonight, by the way. He plays Gerwin Price this week. He plays Michael Van Gerwen next week. The week after is week eight, which is where it is based on your table position. That's, at the moment, looking very likely to be Peter Wright against Michael Van Gerwen. And week nine the start of the second phase of the tournament or the second half of the tournament where the fixtures flip, he plays Gerwin Price again. He's got Price, Van Gerwin, Van Gerwin Price back to back in his opening round. He could be nine weeks without a win. It, it's not, it, this is, this is, this is danger time for Peter Wright. Yeah, because it, let, not just week four, like there was, oh, you don't need to panic. It's a long format. You, you've, he's you've going to start out. those games as well, Cobb. It's certainly like you know. Let's say in the in the eyes of the bookies, he's going to start the next four weeks as second favourite, isn't he? Easily, like he's that's you know. So so he's he's going to have to upset someone. Like otherwise he's up. Otherwise he's for it, isn't he? Four weeks on and the that, bounce. That's just to get a win on the board. That's just for two points. Yeah. You've then got to go up against God knows who else. Whoever you've got, yeah, who's just come through a victory and is playing quite well. This week would be Van Gerwen or Johnny Clayton. Next week would be Chris Doby or Michael Smith. Look, I get it's a Premier League. I get you're going to get tough pictures everywhere. But it's just not getting any easier for Peter Wright, who has completely lost his head with his darts. Or so it seems that was possibly more changes in that format than we've seen from him in a very, very long time. He's struggling to get comfortable with anything. Is is still going to rock up on stage with 
whatever outfit, etc. he wants to try and relate to the area, but it's just not going to feel comfortable at all. Yeah. And against Price, Van Gerwen, likely Van Gerwen, and then Price again. And then he runs into Michael Smith the week after. He's literally got the last three world champions in the next five weeks. Yeah. No gimmies, is there? Having said that, Price here. or right? Price. 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 Repeat or revenge? MVG, Johnny Clayton. MVG. I'm going to say Johnny. Hmm? I'm backing Johnny a lot at the minute, and I, I think he's going to come good. There are very, very signs. There were some glimpses last week of that Premier League... Johnny Clayton presence on the stage, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, if he can carry some of that through against a potentially wounded MVG after the other night, depending you know how quickly he can turn himself around psychologically ahead of Thursday. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I know I get it, but I just think he'll kick back in the, the Michael and, and, and get it done. Yeah, he loses to Schindler in, in the UK Open as well, but. For a player of Johnny's calibre to have not graced the main stage once either, by the way, was bizarre. Look, I, I get it's Van Gerwen, but he played every single one of his matches on that main stage. You sound surprised. But, but there are sessions where viewing figures are, are going to drop or whatever anyway. like Let's rotate it a bit. I know, I, I, I'm actually with you on this one. The, 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 the top four don't need to play on the main stage every session in the UK, but I, I agree with you. And look, you can leave three of them on there. You can rotate them in, and uh, stage two is good enough, especially in that other room or, or even in reds. Like it is yeah, not terrible. on the outer boards. I sort of get it; they've earned that right. But the rest no, of it, no, I'm with you. Um, Doby Aspinall, Doby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Should get a little sign hold up, like. Dan predicts Dolby for 17 weeks. There we go. <laughs> it's like Phil in a green T-shirt. Yeah. Um, Broken clock is wrong twice a day. <laughs> uh, to fact, I actually think, think Dolby will get the job done here as well. I, I, I do think, I think um, uh, he hasn't played badly. Played superbly last week. Right? Played absolutely brilliant. Only didn't get through the first game. Like He played good. He played well at the weekend. But is is he hasn't in terms of his average and actual throwing of darts, he saw he's maintained quite well the the form that he sort of hit at the Masters and then in, into that early stage of the Premier League. What what that hasn't manifested in in lots of is lots of winning of games, but his his game is is right there. Yeah. No, I agree. What are you saying, Gob? I am quite concerned for Derby right now. His form is matching that of his football club. They're on the slide. <laughs> no, um, look, winless since week one is it's becoming a bit of a concern for me with Chris Derby. As Dan said, look, he's not played badly, but Kim Hybrex didn't play badly in his last year at the Premier League. He averaged well over 95, 96, and he only won two games all season. Granted, in the old format, but he had a stinker. Mensor Sulovic was very, very similar in his first season. He struggled to get wins on the board despite playing very, very well. Chris Doby's not been in this position before. 
there's an argument that perhaps he was in the same category as Luke Humphreys and not quite ready for this, but the PDC were followed their pattern of, of what they've gone with. They, they set a precedent for the last couple of years with the Masters. Week one, absolutely massive for Dobie. Points on the board, solid run, but he has to start accumulating more right now. And look, this is uh, this is an opportunity. Aspinall loves a scrap. We know that. We love chucking that narrative at him. But if he doesn't come through this one, I am increasingly concerned that Dobie might just start getting cut away at the bottom with Peter Wright. Dimmy's playing at a, a much better pace. Um, I think Johnny Clayton's mixing it up a lot more now. You've already got the players in the top four. There's a chance it becomes the top six racing for four and two others, and Dobie needs to win very, very quickly, especially as I think Aspinall will be beaten this week. Smith against Vandenberg, an intriguing game. Michael Smith, uh, not fully fit. Dimitri Vandenberg playing some very, very good stuff. Yeah, I think it's a dimmy this one for for the for the aforementioned, like for those reasons, because we know that Michael Smith isn't quite at a hundred percent, and he's going to just hit Dimmy. I think when Dimmy is on a bit of a run of form, playing well. His throw seems in a really good place. The way that he's hitting the stage, especially in that Premier League environment, his, his attitude seems to very much suit that uh, uh, sort of scenario and that format at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's, it'll be tight. It'll be 6-4, 6-5, but Dimmy, I think. Yeah, I'm going Dimmy as well. There's there's a lot to like about his game right now. Just the, the pace. And, and the change in style has just freed him up so much more. And for the players, he's gone from being annoying because he's slow to annoying because they just can't get rid of him. They can't brush him off. And it, it's just like, it's just, it's just irritating. The way he moves around the city he's become, you know, those sort of excitable players that, that irritate other darts players, the way that they sort of move around the stage and skip and wink and look around too much and he's just edging into that scenario isn't he sort of almost becoming irritating for all the opposite reasons yeah um, he's playing some fantastic darts it's just so much better to watch yeah i'm I'm very happy he's gone down this route because i've been quite critical of him in the past knowing that this was in the locker i think people did the same with justin pipe he's played events where he actually just got on with it and averaged spectacularly but he went back to what was comfortable with him and the fact that he can do this um, and he's doing so and he's looking pretty comfortable in doing so. He's being competitive. I don't think he, from being honest, I don't think he would be any higher in the table if he was still playing the other way. And I think he just spent 16 weeks being the one that was isolated in the group of eight because look, they do travel together. They spend an awful lot of time in practice rooms together, etc. I don't think he's done himself any harm changing his pace, it makes him much more attractive to sponsors, much more attractive for World Series picks, to retain his spot in the Premier League in the future. And he's taking this game elsewhere as well. He is slowing down in the very, very key moments. Fine. Absolutely no objection with that. Never had any objection with that. It was just when it was every other visit or every other leg that that it became a little bit annoying. Yeah. So, chat room. Boys, I want your finalist and winner for night six at the MS Bank Arena on Liverpool Docklands. Did I do the fallout on Thursday? 
Yes. Did I say Wednesdays? <laughs> I think I've got a completely different. <laughs> but we do have the entire UK Open there too. You've had a full weekend of darting action with which to weigh uh, my opinion. Swear your view, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm now going for Gerwin Price to beat Dimitri Van der Berg in the final. And I oh. definitely did not have that on Thursday. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a, I sort of agree with you on one of the finalists because Chris Dobie beats Gerwin Price. I'm agreeing with one of you. Hello. <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> Gerwin Price beats Dimitri Vandenberg in the final. But I think we've uh, interesting. We have all got Price as a finalist, and if like, let's be honest, like I'm I've, I'm picking Doby to beat Price, but like, yeah, let, you know, Price Price is is the player I really fancy to do something in Liverpool. I think um, he certainly makes the final for me. Well, we've also got a clip from Chris Doby taken from Exeter. He was good enough to come in and speak to us, and it's just about his mindset. It can, but uh, I said in previous interviews, uh, the game where I, I felt I threw away against Rob Cross at the match play, I think that's turned my uh, motivation to get my, my game where it should be. And like I said, the games I'm playing now and losing, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, not, it's only a matter of time before these losers turn into to wins. And I, I believe that I can turn this around and... Uh, Hopefully, get some uh, wins under my belt. He knows where his game's at, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, look, he's 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 not he's not shying away or anything like that. Um, I quite like how many players are saying that right now. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with people being happy with losses, but I think that that just shows how open the sport is. Again, it's not. I should have been better. It. Actually, if I am losing games, it's because the other player has, has done something special. A lot of players seem to be content that they are producing a base level of decent darts right now, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so that's the Premier League. Um, what else did we have? Um, oh, just on the icy conditions in Exeter. Um, Price obviously spoke about it. What did I put? Did I get that clip in? Did I? No. Mm. On job, Two. Philip. Two seconds. While we wait, let's talk about football. <laughs> oh, year it's been um, been a dark show. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I, could, I, what I we got could so do. much abuse from some of the boys. I started going, where the, have you been all season? I was like, look, I've just been busy. <laughs> The only fo- the only football we really need to discuss tonight is to have a um, a conversation about who is currently leading the prestigious online darts fantasy Premier League. I'll be honest. I think no, I didn't. I just turned I turned the notifications off of me. I've stopped bothering like I do every bloody season. Do you want to know where you are? Do you want to know where you are in the league, Bob? Out of 55. Crazy. I've had to, I tell you what, I've had to scroll somewhere to find you. I'm ahead of Phil Bars, though. Well, yeah, because I've updated my team since week two. Me neither. Oh, well, just the, the so just getting. Oh, where has he gone? My team, I've started Luis Diaz and Jesus. 
Fiftieth, Jack Goward. I know. I've had in my team since week one. He's been out since before the World Cup. Forty fourth, Cam McFarlane. Twenty two, Liam Riley. Oh, this is like I tell you what. The rest of the team is putting in a. I am. I am carrying you all on my back. Lee Boyce in eleventh. You are second by a point, though. I'm not, mate. If you look at tonight's scores. Um, He's doing it on the slide. That's why his internet went earlier. He was in play. Uh, by, by the time the bonus points have been added tonight, I will be two points clear at the top of the league. Long may it continue. Excited about whatever Mr. Bars has organised for a prize. Right. I, see. I think it's also a Palmo at my house as well, so I might just be taking myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was what the prize was. I think that's what right. we said at the beginning, wasn't it? Right, I see in Exeter, and it was cold. This is um, Gezi's take on it. No, but, but, no, no, but even yesterday in the Premier League and in, in the practice room, that's how I was practicing. And today, me and Michael was practicing together, and we were the same thing. Yeah, I don't like to blame much, but it's, it's difficult when obstacles are in front of you. And oh, we know it's freezing. You, oh, that's not, not just cold, but it's just a breeze coming across the stage. I mean, you shouldn't have to play in that. And it is difficult. And when you're sort of thinking that something's going to happen rather than you just throwing darts, it gets a little it gets a little bit difficult. But yeah, I'm glad I came here. This was the main event for me. Obviously, I wanted to go and do well in the Premier League. But, you know, these ranking points are vital. And hopefully I can go and pick this trophy up. Obviously, he didn't, but the fact that it remains that it wasn't great in Exeter condition-wise to play. I know we laugh and joke about it. it, it, it realistically, because you know, like, because it's just logistics, isn't it? Like, it, it's the only reason that it's there. Is there anywhere else, realistically, Phil, that's, that's down that part of the country that would work, you know, that, that would support getting everything to mine head as it needs to, but also then, do a Thursday night? Only Bristol when it's finished. Yeah, the new arena in Bristol when it's finished. But that's still a cup 18 months away. Well, so at least another year, isn't it? Yeah. The castle's dead. I'll tell you where they could put it. Studio 36. <laughs> Four night, what? Add an extra night onto your UK to a package? Yeah. They could play at the Butlins. I know they want that cut off and that resemblance of two different TV production teams. That's the issue. Crikey, can you imagine that? It, yeah. Getting all the cameras in for a day for the Premier League to derig and get them set up again. Right. Everyone nicking each other's morning. extension leads and stuff like that. Yeah, you. <laughs> or, I, I agree that you could have it in Butlins. You couldn't because of the breakdown setup. Well, not at the moment, but isn't there going to be a point when PDC bring everything in house and just send it out to the channels? Possibly. I can see it going that way. If that, if that happens, then yeah. Um, but look, it was... Basically, exhibition with the Premier League. Yes, Paul Starr will MC the Premier League. It is Tungton <laughs> time at Butlin's Minehead. <laughs> um, also, some, some fairly big news in the world of darts over the weekend. Wessel Nyman returned to competitive action after serving his uh, suspension. And played some damn good darts as well. Yeah, he uh, he won seven matches to win the title. Yeah, and some some ton plus averages in there as as, as well. For as far as comebacks go, 
That's decent. Yeah, tough. Field he certainly well. couldn't grumble about the standard of darts that he uh, that he pulled out, regardless of whether you've got grumbles about anything else. But you, you know, it's um, yeah, certainly played well. Yeah, I'm, I had a quick chat with him as well. He is going to play Dev Tour this year. He'll be a danger. Is he still young enough for that? Yeah, twenty-two. Damn. I believe. True. I'm sure I read on the. It was twenty-two. Would well, you think before his misdemeanor, he was very well placed in that Dev Tour? Yeah. Our Dev Tour is going to be interesting this year. Especially as there's 13 tour card holders on it. Um, they need also, developing. God. Also, another point that we speak about regularly on the show, uh, Matt confirmed that the reason Corey and Christian Perez aren't playing at the moment is they haven't got the correct paperwork. Nothing, not a great thing. Well, absolutely nothing the PDC or anyone else can do about that beyond no. like the players, potentially their management and, and the foreign office. Like that is, that is it. Like, there is no, there, there is nothing that anybody can do. Um, barring, well, yeah, that's it. But yeah, obviously we, we were, we were surmising on whatever, what it was, but Matt, Matt confirmed that it's, they're sorting out visa problems. Uh, also, as well, Mace says it there as well. A little cut of ball. Luke Littler will be on the Dev Tour this year as well. Him, Banks. Look, they did mention Dangerous it. Dangerous Luke Littler on the Dev Tour. Oh, Mason Webby did a great piece. Maybe, yeah. The, yeah. In the, the one that I think a lot of people are forgetting that is eligible. If Bo Greaves rocks up to that Dev Tour as well. Yeah. I hope she does. I, I really hope she does. Oh, a lot of people hope she does. It it throws. I mean, cat amongst the pigeons, you know, it certainly, certainly throws a lot of questions on because because uh, obviously it's she's she's becoming, you know, one of the biggest names in darts. There isn't playing PDC events. Like I don't like and, and but if she starts turning up to those dev tours and posting some of the averages and playing the way that we know she can and and often does, then that gets really, really interesting really quickly. It's, I think we can use it as a very, very good measuring stick. There's been a lot of hyperbole above, around Bo Greaves and her performances, and there was a lot of sensationalism when she was winning events last year that she could go to Q School, pick up a tour card, and be in the top 32 in the world. I still think some of that was, was a stretch. You get some outrageous takes on social media. You get some people that are just looking to be the one that gets more likes and clicks than anybody else. And to, to, to do that and stand out, you have to be even more sensational than the previous comment or opinion or, or whatever else. But that dev tour is full of a ridiculous, I've said there's 13 tour card holders on it at the moment. You've got other players that are coming into it. Luke Littler and, and Thomas Banks are now finally old enough. You've got the likes of Leighton Bennett's on there. and, and, and but it's a good is, that, is that, do you think, Gob, the environment in which we will... Because... Like we know how good Bo Greaves is in terms of we looked at events that she's played and she's won them and we've seen the average. In terms of playing really competitive matches regularly and being pushed, having to come from behind in games, all that sort of stuff. Do you think that's where 
we really find out how good she is. Yeah. And where she finds that out as well. Yeah. I just, I just look at the players that have been on there, the performances. The likes of Cam Crabtree is, is a ridiculous time. With all due respect to the women's game and the women's series right now, there are moments in, in events and games where Bo doesn't need to turn up. She can rock up with a B or a C game without being pushed, banging a couple of trebles when she's under it, potentially, and still walk away as the winner. You're going to have to be on that from dart one on that dev tour because that draw is brutal. Them boards are brutal. Like Rusty Jake Rodriguez finished 17th on the order of merit last year. Yeah. Fabian Schmutzler, the year before, rocked up when he was first eligible to play on the dev tour, won multiple events in Germany and was at the World Championship. Finished 39th last year. Yeah, you know, I was just having a look down there. And even if you just look at the names in the top 30 in the dev tour, like there's some there's real, real players in there. Real players. And Adam Dallas, a... the former World Youth Championship finalist, I made the semi-final of the UK Open this weekend. He finished 22nd on the development tour last year. Yeah. It and... is brutal. And it is just as boisterous and in fact I'd say it's even more of a, a bear pit than the pro tour because there are so many in there with absolutely no fear and, and getting used to it and just having a crack and, and being in that environment and there is that camaraderie that you see on that development tour as well and it's just if you rock up and, and start performing against these boys or players, or, or, or however you want to describe those on the development tour, you've you've got a real chance of that translating later in in PDC events and Challenge Tour is, is at her age as well. I think not going to Q School and playing two days of Challenge Tour is a better measure of where she's at. But the other, the other thing as well, and so Mace just mentioned one there, and it's so it's on the screen. But a current PDC average puts you in the top 10 of last year's dev tour. But also, because you've got tour card holders that have a tour card in the development tour, those tour card, that tour card race that happens within the development tour isn't number one, isn't number two, isn't number three. You know, at, at the, like that, looking at, you know, last year's, that's five and six. So that is that, is that, the route to a tour card for Bo Greaves without going through Q school, you know, because if that's where a, if that's where a game is, is is top ten dev tour, and top ten dev tour is going to get you, you know, you're not going to you don't need to win it, you don't need to finish second, third, or fourth. Well, the interesting thing as well is Josh Rock at the moment is still eligible to play the dev tour in the first half of the year at least. Look, the likelihood is he will go into the 32 and then become uneligible. But those first few dev tours, potentially you've got Josh Rock floating around as well. He's not had it all his own way to start this year either, by the way. Look, let's no. not forget that. There is a known entity now in Josh Rock. People are aware of him. There's no catching people off guard. Even even Rob Cross, the year he won the World Championship, look, people had been aware of Rob Cross for a while, but it was still that newness of Rob Cross. The minute February rolled around the following year, 
that shock factor of, of Rob Cross seems to have disappeared that little bit. I think once you've had that full year, you get through that World Championship, after that, that sort of disappears now. And, and Josh will walk back into this environment with a huge target on his back. Yeah, I'll be champion and spending the entire time saying, watch me go and win the, the main one now as well. There'll be a lot of guys in here going, actually, hang about, mate. We're still good enough to bring you down to the, to, to have you at this level. No, uh, Ben, it's not the top 32 at the start of the year. It's if you go into the top 32, you become ineligible. Because didn't that happen to Callum that he could play? Jeffrey Desvan. Desvan as well. He played part of it and then went into the top 32 and was then uneligible. In ineligible, yeah. Because you can't predict, can you? And you can't give someone it for the rest of the year. So you've got, it's the only realistic way to do it. Well, everyone's got a view on that, haven't they? But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's no, interesting. No, question time as well. Whilst we have we missed anything else in a week of darts, but whilst we work that out, get your questions in as well, everyone. Just a busy one for me personally. Friday night, I was MC for uh, the Nottingham Varsity event between Trent and Uni. I've managed to work with uh, Paul Hinks as referee, Robert Thornton, and Matt Edgar on the exhibition side. Really, really good night once again. Um, I know one of the guys managed to spend most of Saturday hungover. An effort, mate. <laughs> Can't keep yeah. up with the students anymore. I bailed early, knowing that I had to be at County early for Saturday morning and, and Sunday as well. Um, really good weekend of County Darts as well, actually. You had the, the War of the Roses that went deep between Yorkshire and Lancashire. Um, Derbyshire stay top, I think, just in their division. Um, women's B winning 5-1, women's A winning 6-0. Um, but the first men's A game of the weekend I did was um, Ricky Sidell of Leicester, who has been around a long, long time. You might have seen him at exhibition and, and at Pro Tours, etc. before, um, against Henry Coates. And it was blisteringly good. Henry went 3-1 up and his winning legs were 15, 14 and 11. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was just ridiculous. I've never, ever had a weekend where I've called so many 180s in a fixture. I think there were 22 180s in, a, in 36 matches across. It, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super Series, Scott Taylor. Uh Andy Bolton rolls Royce all week and then ran into a sublime performance from Scott Taylor, averaging 109 in the final, which was just remarkable darts. Um, and this week started off pretty damn good as well. Group A is absolutely lit. John Michael. Um, For me, Andy Bolton is one of those players who is going to be too good to not be a tour card holder. Yeah, definitely. Not good enough to retain his tour card constantly. Yeah. Um, guess for next week, Tommy. We've not even finished this one yet. That depends what happens this week. Yeah. Um, uh, David has been invited. Uh, she was due to play last year. I can't remember what week it was, but it was October, no, October. October, November time. And she had to pull out ill. Um, 
over under major winners for Gilden? All of them. He has to win all of them. Every one. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't lose a match between now and next year's Masters, then 50-50, you might get in. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, this is a good one as well. Uh, Owen Binks made his debut on stage two. Um, and how good was Charlie on the main stage getting a semi-final? And he's got a Premier League Cup coming up as well. He did a top job, didn't he? Um, did Charlie? I didn't see. I didn't see a lot of Owen just because of the way that I was sort of doing the stream and doing other bits and pieces. But yeah, Charlie did a top job. Looked really at home. Didn't like, look. Didn't look out of place at all. Did, did really good. Yeah. Um, thoughts on Moffat being on the outside boards didn't surprise me. Well, if he'd have won, if he'd have won enough matches, he wouldn't have been, would he? Oh, no, Dan, come on. No, 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 no. no. I mean, he wouldn't, have st- he wouldn't have still been on the outside board on Sunday, would he? Like, <laughs> they wouldn't have kept putting him out there. Like. Round four, defending champion deserves main stage. I know that round four chucks up some ridiculous ties and, and whatever else, but... Defending champion deserves mainstay. Who did he, was, it Jim, who did he, was it Jim Williams? Yeah. Danny Nuppert, Jim, Danny Nuppert's first game was Jim Williams, wasn't it, I think? From memory. <laughs> I love that, Mace. No comment, Mace. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We are, we are pretty blessed with that at a minute, though. There is an abundance of very, very good darts referees nowadays. And not just those two, Danny, the new referee at the Super Series as well. Very, very good as well. But, but you think about, look, even even some of the WF team that are a little bit on the sidelines right now. Marco Meyer did a few weeks. He's pretty much on the sidelines right now. Marco Meyer is a fantastic referee. Yeah. There is plenty of people in the pipeline should the likes of Russ Bray and, and George Noble start to ease back their their calendars and their commitment to the PDC. And there is a, a decent, there's a, there's a very, very good production line right now of, of top quality referees. And that is, and that, but that, and that is important, isn't it? And, and, it, and it's a blessing for the PDC and, and, and the rest of darts as a whole, um, because, you know, like, like, let's be honest, there's not, there's not loads of kids sat at home saying, I really want to be a darts referee when I grow up. Like, and the fact that there is a, a, a stream of like talented, relatively charismatic, you know, committed young people that, that are progressing along that line and doing a good job of it, then you know, it's all for the for the positive on Planet Darts, isn't it? Um, I missed the floor, the squeaky floorboard in Southampton, but yeah, it, that first bit when we can only have two players in a room because of COVID, the players calling their own scores. It was quite funny. Big fan of that. Big fan of how much has changed. Um, how much has Czech darts changed? Uh, look, Adam Gaulas is doing brilliant stuff for darts in the Czech Republic. He's a, a young lad they can get behind, which is great. Up the prod. Yeah. I'm all for the water tip celebration as well. We didn't see more of that. 
This is what we need more of. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the German lollipop man. Here, here. Um, but look, busy, busy times. Ahoy. Plenty going on. Um, Super Series returns tomorrow morning for day two. Um, if it's anything like day one, it's going to be unbelievable. But then on our channel, uh, Fallout Bar will return this week from Liverpool, looking at the action from Liverpool. And then we have Return of the Pro Tour as well. So Pro Tour streams. Oh, is that are we on again? Is it Pro Tour again this week? Pro Tour weekend as well. Relent. Oh, Mrs. S is going to be furious with me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to buy some flowers or something. Do so. I need to do something. Good God. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, Dan, if you stay at the end, we'll, we'll have a five-minute chat as we're all here. Um, we'll just um, see what the plan is for the weekend. Um, but look, everyone, what a live lounge it has been. Uh, we wish Lee Boyce all the best in his continued recovery. Yeah, I hope it doesn't take him seven days. Ha, <laughs> get it? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Um, from, from his mystery illness that might end in Paul. <laughs> um, but everyone, thank you very, very much. Great show. Remember, if you haven't yet, make sure you drop us a like and subscribe to the channel as always. I've been Phil Bath, Jack Garwood, Dan Simpson. Pleasure to have you on board as always. And we will see you all next week, 8 p.m. as the live land returns. That's us signing off. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.